See, see, I, I thought at one time in my life you had to be smart to win. I used to have these smart people that dress so pretty and talk so pretty and use these big words. They just intimidated me. And I said, Arch, you can't ever be that good. And I found two things out about smart people. I think it's almost impossible for a smart person to win in business because I find smart people spend their whole lifetime figuring things out. They always trying to figure out an easier way and a quicker way. And another thing I found out about smart people is they just don't get around to doing nothing. And see, somebody like Art Williams, everybody says, well, he can't do it. And somebody like that can't do it, but he does it. See, folks, I want you to know almost everybody in America almost does enough to win. They almost get there. They almost are over the hump. They almost have it going. They almost in everything they do. Almost is a way of life to almost everybody in America. But the winners do it. What do they do? They do whatever it takes to get the job done. They do it and do it and do it and do it and do it until the job gets done. And then they talk about how great it is to be somebody they're proud of. If you want to become somebody, do it. If you want to go in business for yourself, do it. If you want to become financially independent, do it. I hear too much talk and everybody can talk a good game. We need people in America who can do it. All right, I'm going to save money so I don't have to go through this again. Great, just do it. All right, I don't feel like I've had enough training. What I do, you just do it. All right, my manager don't give me no help. What I do, you just do it. All right, what's the primary difference between winners and losers? The winners do it. They do it and do it and do it. Monday morning motivation there from Art Williams You know, we've got to stop talking so much, stop overthinking Sometimes we talk so much about what we're going to do We over-strategize And then, then what? We end up talking ourselves out of the action We fail to execute We get stuck in analysis paralysis By the way, we're officially halfway through 2019 About to start a new decade what have you done to hit those targets? Do you need to reevaluate or pivot? It's never too late, mate. You know what to do. Like man said, just do it. So in this week's episode, we talk about the rise of online shopping, a new rival to taxi hailing app Uber, drone woes. Yeah, I said drone woes, not wars. And a screen protector for your smartphone that stops prying eyes from getting in your business. All of this coming up after the intro. Are you sure you can blame it on social media? Flexing is good for business. Spending money makes you money. Bitcoin down more than 30% this week. Redesigned. You've got to put in the effort every single day. Running a business isn't for everyone. They need role models and not just movie stars and athletes. We are the digital influencers. They're creating content. There's no denying the power of digital media, but it also poses a real challenge. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Redesign Pod. This is episode 31. Don't forget, if you want to get involved in the conversation, make sure you use the hashtag. We are active on Twitter and Instagram. The hashtag is redesignpod, all one word. And if you want to drop me a line, of course, you can send an email to redesignpod at mail.com. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe. If you're new here, this is the podcast where we talk about digital culture, 
entrepreneurship, new media, technology and social change, all of that good stuff. Occasionally we talk about the odd development in social media land. But yeah, welcome to the podcast. I'm Andrew, aka Mr. Cakebox. And what have we got this week? The dream is over for drone owners. Listen, mate, I don't know about you, yeah, but I used to watch a lot of YouTube vlogs, especially like travel YouTube vlogs and stuff like that. And I was so intrigued. This was a few years back, probably about 2015. Yeah, say about 2015, 2014, 2015. And I just saw this guy called Louis Cole. He was doing like these crazy travel vlogs. And then all of a sudden you would just see this stunning cinematic aerial view of wherever he was staying in that. I used to be like, oh, how do you do that? And then I discovered drones. So fast forward to 2016, I got my first drone, which is a DJI Phantom 3. I managed to fly that in the UK maybe about three or four times. And then I really caught the bug. Then after that, I got the DJI Phantom 4. So I sold that one and upgraded to the Phantom 4, which is like almost cinema levels it's been used in commercial productions and stuff like that proper tv adverts and stuff like that. so this thing can really move and take some really stunning video um you can actually see one of the videos that i produced on my youtube channel um so the last time i actually flew my drone was in 2017 funny enough um on my last trip to tenerife so the reason i haven't been able to fly it is because i'm not gonna lie i'm shook um, so many new drone laws popping up. The UK is getting very, very serious about drones. Already in Westminster, it's a £1,000 fine, even if you just lift it off the ground. Like, it doesn't matter how high you go or how, fa how far you go. If you launch a drone in Westminster without permission, it's a straight £1,000 fine. But more importantly, like for people that like, they're into their gadgets and stuff. If you're into gadgets like I am, you probably at some point may have considered getting a drone and um if you like to travel as well um recently i discovered that some of the places on my bucket list like they've got serious drone laws like you can't even do anything anymore so i am pissed i am so pissed right now find out canada is a no-go zone as well egypt you might actually get shot if you try and fly your drone there the pyramids and the tombs are heavily armed um, according to uh, dronetraveler.com there's some info that's a really good website by the way dronetraveler.com if you want to find out drone laws of specific countries um, but yeah Egypt is a complete no-go zone with that yeah and now you, we're starting to see a lot more regulation in the space so if you're considering buying a drone be very very cautious be very aware of all these laws that are coming into effect depending on where you're going to be flying them so no national park so if you see anything that's a national park you're not allowed to fly there and there's an introduction of mandatory drone insurance and registration and that's coming to the uk they're looking to make this legislation in november of this year so you're going to have to register your drone oh mate people do do some dumb stuff though like i've seen people fly over power lines roads um, you know, you've seen people fly near airports and prisons and stuff like that. Um, but from that website, I was quite surprised to learn that even in Nigeria, pretty much all drones have to be registered with their aviation authority. We don't even have to do that here in the UK yet. Um, interesting. Moving on, a new taxi hailing service, Bolt, is trying to establish itself in London. 
with hopes of competing with the number one taxi app we all know and love, Uber. Uh, it used to be called Taxify and it didn't get off the ground because of a licensing dispute with TFL. But it's all good now. It's all been sorted and now they've rebranded trying to entice customers with cheap affairs. So there's going to be about half price reduction to tempt customers in to sign up to Bolt um, for the first two months of the service. But there are different levels of service. So you've got the Bolt and Bolt Executive um, how those services are going to be different remains to be seen but I assume the executive level is kind of like more prestige cars you know maybe an E-Class or um, I don't know maybe something maybe like a, a Tesla or something like that I don't know but yeah how much brand loyalty does Uber have? to be honest with you it's become part of the fabric of digital culture we always say get an Uber you know, we don't even care about black taxis anymore. We don't even care about minicabs. It's all about Uber. It's like same way you'd say you hoover the front room. You know, even if you've got a Dyson, you're still going to say hoover, even though you don't have a hoover. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how this actually plays out. Can they compete with Uber? I don't know. Remains to be seen. Funny enough, Uber's still not making a profit. So although Uber is the most popular taxi app in the UK and worldwide, most probably, they're not actually turning a profit, which is interesting. So how are a smaller company like Bolt going to actually compete and be profitable? Oh, and if you want to try Bolt, you can use my promo code BX5WH3. That's BX5WH3. If you uh, use this promo code, you will get £3 free towards your first, um, your first trip. And also, I'll get £3 as well. So when you sign up, you'll get the same promo code as well. You can then share it with your friends and then get £3 towards your next trip as well. So you can let it stack up. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you could get the, the app on the App Store and Google Play. It's called Bolt. If you want £15 of free credit, yeah, write this one down. If you want £15 worth of free credit, just use the promo code HEYLONDON and you will be credited with 15 pounds of free rides so i'll say that again for you use the promo code hey london all one word and uh, you will get 15 pounds worth of credit um it's going to expire i'm not sure when it expires so at the time of this recording this is currently working right now so uh, go ahead and do that and let me know what you think of the app because on the app store it's rated four and a half stars four well 4.8 actually to be precise and over eight thousand reviews so they must be doing something right so yeah i'll definitely be trying that at some point yeah, but i drive so i don't know when the next time <laughs> i don't know the next time i'll be using that unless you know i'm out drinking or anything which i don't do so yeah Enjoy. Don't say I don't look after you. Spell circuit. C I R C U I T. That is correct. I have something I want to tell you. Yes, Michael. I'm not like other guys. Of course not. That's why I love you. No, I mean I'm different. What are you talking about?
You know when you just want to check your bank balance in peace, yeah? When you're out in public or you just want to transfer some funds from one account to another, you know, in privacy, but you're in public. Or perhaps, you know, you want to make sure your kids, your mom or your partner don't see the crud you're looking at on your phone. Turns out you can get a special privacy glass fitted on your phone, which restricts the viewing angle of the screen. It also doubles as a screen protector and that actually adopts a special optical technology making the viewing angle around 60 degrees so that people on either side of you can't see the phone they can only see darkness so yeah it's available on amazon i actually saw an advert for it on instagram funny enough i was like oh what's that so yeah i think that's a good look especially like sometimes like me i'm self-employed and i have money in different accounts and sometimes i don't want to use one card for one specific thing i need to transfer money around i might be sitting at a table waiting to pay for something and i don't want everyone to see my whole bank balance so i end up like dimming the screen and like so i can hardly see it but when you're in like proper bright lights and you dim the screen i think that the iphone's got some optical recognition thing so it adjusts the screen to to how bright the surroundings are so it doesn't always work so i think that's a good look for privacy i'm going to leave an affiliate link in the description so if you want to pick one up they're around between seven and ten pounds so grab yourself one if you want to all right so without further ado let's get into this week's main feature don't forget if you want to get involved chime in in the conversation at any point don't forget to use the hashtag redesign pod traffic parking congestion crowds germs germs man lack of availability you can swap all of this for speed convenience you can save money access reviews Thanks to comparison sites and on-site reviews. No wonder the high street is getting pammed right now. Absolutely obliterated. The crisis on the UK high street could see 100,000 shops empty within a decade. This is Oxford Street in the heart of London, one of the most famous shopping destinations in the world. Right now, we're in the middle of a retail revolution, especially with the growth in online shopping. One of the most familiar names in British retailing, HMV, has confirmed that it's calling in the administrators. The move affects more than 2,000 staff at 125 stores throughout the UK. Sales at the music and film retailer have been hit by competition from online firms and streaming services. It's the second time in five years that HMV has hit serious financial trouble. The rise of streaming services such as Netflix and Spotify means millions no longer choose to own DVDs or CDs, making the environment for a high street entertainment retailer ever harder. You've got so many well-known shopping brands and high street stores collapsing. And why is that? Technology. Online shopping. Currently, you've got Topshop, Miss Selfridges, Burton, Boots, um, Thomas Corker in trouble as well. These shops are looking to close hundreds of shops in the next two years. 
and that was according to the British Retail Consortium. And uh, one in 10 shops in city town centres were actually lying empty. Which brings us to this topic here today. Clicks and mortar, the rise of online shopping. So we're going from bricks and mortar to clicks and mortar. And it's actually one of the reasons why I haven't got an office. So if you didn't know, I run a graphic design studio called Katebox Creative. I've always worked remotely, working from home between coffee shops, co-working spaces and working in my home office. And, uh, you know, pretty much a lean startup. There's actually no incentive to actually get a building with my logo on the front. Uh, just so I could sit down and pay rent to somebody and no one really talks about that the actual cost of commercial property is skyrocketing obviously the cost of residential property is skyrocketing so why wouldn't commercial property be skyrocketing it's all it's all correlated so no one really talks about that so to be a sustainable and profitable business you've got to be increasing your footfall you have to be um you have to create more demand and in an environment where we're increasingly relying on technology that's not going to be possible for a lot of of high street shops realistically speaking you know why would we trade all that convenience for you know having to pay for parking and walking around from shop to shop to shop tiring ourselves out and you know possibly paying too much for something instead of uh, you know finding the cheapest possible price online it's not really it's not really working i don't see us as a society going back to you know spending doing the most doing the majority of our shopping in high street stores i just don't see it i don't know what well, let me know what you think do you do the majority of your shopping online or do you prefer to actually do you prefer the experience of going shopping me personally i hate shopping I do not find anything exciting about waking up early and driving to, you know, wherever, like Westfield or whatever, or jumping on a train to Oxford Street. I don't see anything appealing about that. And the funny thing is, you could go to where you think you're going to look for something and waste time going to like asking maybe three or four shops for the same thing. And they're telling you it's out of stock. Whereas with online shopping is at your fingertips you can just see if stuff is in stock in real time pay for it and get it delivered next day but before we talk more about that let's go into the history of online shopping and where it all started it's a lot further back than you realize let's put it that way it all began in 1979 when a guy called michael aldrich created online shopping so he's basically the father of online shopping now he created a system called video text which later gave birth to what we call teletext a two-way messaging service which kind of revolutionized businesses we now know this today as e-commerce now he was an english inventor innovator and entrepreneur and back in 1979 he created this system which allowed online transactions between customers and businesses so this really came to the market in some places in the US. Um, but, you know, when something is just ahead of its time, it didn't work out. There just weren't enough customers to justify the cost of running everything, the terminals and the monthly and hourly charges to make it, you know, a profitable business. So 
three years later in 1986, the company kind of pulled the plug. And yeah, that was that until we got the internet, until the internet became ubiquitous in homes across the world. When the internet became a household thing back in 1995, just around the start of the dot-com era, a guy called Pierre Omida created a little company that you might know called eBay. So that was in 1995. And the funny thing is it actually started off as a side hustle. So I hope you're inspired. You never know what your side hustle can actually turn into. So all you guys who have got dreams, ambitions of starting something on the side, if you still got your full-time job, put pen to paper, come up with some ideas and just do something today. Remember what Art Williams said, just do it. So if you've got an idea, just do it. Start small. Don't have to, you don't have to wait for things to be perfect. Do it on the side. And that is how eBay was born. That's so mad. So Pierre literally had no idea. <laughs> until he had no idea that the business would take off until the his ISP, um, whoever he's playing paying his uh, network fees for the website and stuff, the web hosting to. They told him that he needed to upgrade to a business account because of the high volume of traffic to his website. So that kind of forced him to start charging people that were using eBay. So, you know, when you buy stuff on eBay, um, whoever's selling it to you gets charged a percentage of whatever the final fee is at the end of an auction. But let's dive a little bit deeper into the history of eBay. So eBay was originally called Auction Web. So originally it was a, a auction and shopping website, which still is today. Um, obviously people and businesses were buying a whole variety of goods and services. And, you know, it became a hit by the early 2000s. So it changed to eBay in 1997. So the guy that we're talking about, Pierre Omida, he had a consulting company called Echo Bay Technology Group. So... He tried to kind of register echobay.com, but it wasn't available. So he thought, all right, cool. That name's been taken already. I'm just going to shorten it to ebay.com. So in 1997, that same year, his company received nearly $7 million in funding from a venture capital company. So he got investment to take it to the next level. So by 2000, eBay already had 12 million registered users and like an online catalogue of more than 4.5 million items for sale on any given day. And then later on in 2002, they bought PayPal. So the rest is history. That was kind of like a gateway drug into online shopping for a lot of us. So I remember at that time, I was still mostly doing most of my shopping um, in retail stores, local retail stores or whatever. I'll go to the West End and whatnot. But eBay was kind of like kind of caught my eye because you could get things that you couldn't necessarily get in the high street shops, especially like DVDs, you know, DVDs from different countries, um, DVDs that were like proper rare that you wouldn't find necessarily find in HMV or whichever. So that was kind of like my gateway drug into online shopping. Let me know what your first experience of online shopping was. Do you remember the first place that you started to shop online with? Let me know. Chime in on the hashtag redesign pod. Um, what else? Another major player. You can't talk about online shopping and not talk about Amazon, which started in 1995. They started off selling books founded by a guy called Jeff Bezos. But today, not only do they sell books, they are a multinational technology company. 
that focuses on e not, not just e-commerce but cloud computing digital streaming music movies and also they're they're pretty much a logistics company they're like a shipping company as well and also their latest endeavor artificial intelligence so if you're familiar with alexa and that kind of stuff that is their next big move in terms of technology and uh, you know creating new industries audio and um, voice assistance which we we spoke about in the last episode is definitely going to be one of the biggest waves in technology um, in the next couple of years so watch out for that and uh, it's now funny enough it's now considered one of the big four tech companies in the world alongside google apple and facebook let's talk about amazon prime i'm not gonna lie to you amazon prime is one of the best things ever because they give you so much value in terms of the next day delivery and the amount of choice you've got on there plus plus the tv service like the ability to watch such a massive catalogue of films and TV shows and stuff like that I don't even work for Amazon and I'm just bigging them up like this I don't even know why I'm not even getting paid but yeah they've created so much value and by 2018 Jeff Bezos announced that Amazon Prime service had actually surpassed 100 million subscribers worldwide and that was just in 2018 so what does that tell you that we're not going back we're not going back we have no obviously there are going to be certain things that you want to go in store for uh, which i'll talk about now um a lot of people kind of use physical retail stores as you know glorified showrooms how many times have you actually been to a shop looked at something and then you're standing there and rather than paying for it you're looking it up on google to see whether you can get it cheaper or, or you know if they've got different versions of it or whichever and if you find it cheaper you just put it in your basket and keep it moving you're not going to buy it there and then unless like you really really need it you know and if it's going to cost you a lot less let's say for example you'll buy the tv in front of you the tv's there and online is literally 70 pounds cheaper you're going to buy it online and that's what kind of killed tottenham court road let's talk about tottenham court road for a sec Tottenham Court Road is a major road in the Fitzrovia district of central London in the West End, historically known for its selling of electronics and white goods in the late 20th century. Tottenham Court Road used to be a superpower when it comes to consumer electronics. So that whole road was just laced with computer shops, hi-fi shops, um, any type of gadget that you wanted, anything to do with computers, this was before Amazon, you know. This was before Amazon took over. Anything you wanted, you would find it in Tottenham Court Road. But in recent years, the growth of online shopping has reduced the importance of Tottenham Court Road. And now it's more catering to like cafes, restaurants and that kind of stuff. Like by 2015, like you look at Tottenham Court Road, it's like a ghost town. It's completely, it's a complete shadow of what it used to be. Um, which is quite sad but at the end of the day it's technology you know technology has driven certain trends like let's say for example if you look at Tottenham Court Road the majority of the shops on there were like audio visual hi-fi shops so people that would buy people that were into like surround sound systems big hi-fi systems cd players amps equalizers all that stuff speakers but the majority of people these days listen to stuff on their phone or they buy smart speakers or they use you know um 
docks and stuff like that or you know like the wireless speakers and stuff like that so the demand for hi-fi isn't really there anymore so that's kind of just killing off unless you're a purist they're, they're sort of like there's always going to be purists in everything you know the people that like the old school uh separate sound systems and stuff like that but for the average consumer they don't care they care more about convenience they care about speed cost and convenience you know they don't want to clutter their homes with a million boxes with different components if they don't have to if they can just listen to something on their their one speaker that only takes up like a few centimeters of space they'd rather do that you know so yeah you just gotta move with the times um you got people like what's that guy the guy that owns sports direct you've got people like him complaining about retail being destroyed because of the internet and that they should pay internet sales tax it's rubbish like we're not gonna go back it's impossible that's like saying that we should stop using mobile phones and go back to phone boxes and writing people letters it's just not gonna happen it's not going to happen so yeah we talked about the early days of ebay amazon you can't really have a conversation about online shopping without that uh, let's talk about argos argos used to be the children's bible anything that you wanted i used to carry the argos catalog with me when i was a kid like it's my bible I, i'm telling you everything that i used to just i used to just rip out pages or circle them and give them to my mum and dad like i'm very surprised that argos has actually stood the test of time you know there's so many high street casualties that we can name woolworths uh, maplin more recently um toys r us but Argos is still standing but the special thing about Argos is that a lot, what a lot of people don't know is that they were bought out by Sainsbury's and they really embraced the uh, the online side of things very very well so they brought the online and digital aspect into their store experience so you'd go in there so instead of looking at a catalog you'd have their whole inventory in real time online on like an iPad a customized iPad and then you make your order from there or what you could and they've kind of synced it up with click and collect so you could be at home online if you don't want to um get it delivered to home or your workplace let's say for example you're out and about quite a lot and you don't want to miss the delivery you could do click and collect like you just see if it's in stock type in the order number and then you could like you know get your stuff man and the funny thing about it is they're sharing space with sainsbury's things like sainsbury's like the food rate the food retailers the main places where people get their like their food shopping from their groceries those things are never really going to die out they're always going to be there so those spaces are kind of protected so they were very smart in buying argos because they got they get to absorb those stores and actually share space with them so you you're becoming a place where you can get your food and you can also buy a bed or a mattress or a TV in the same place. So very, very smart move by Sainsbury's who are now Argos's parent company. I think I think that, that move really saved Argos. I'm sure they would have closed down a lot of stores, but at least when they make sales, it still contributes to their physical retail sales, which is kind of good, especially like for people who are not technologically savvy, you know, the older generation, you know people that kind of aren't used to technology like that i suppose um but eventually i think uh, we're going to be doing a lot more online shopping in comparison to physical retail shopping 
it's just I think it's just going to be a natural evolution and I don't think it's I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing yes jobs will be lost but I think jobs will appear in other places as well so yeah let me know what your thoughts are on that anyway what do you what do you think and then finally let's talk about apps and discount codes you see everybody likes a discount code when I'm gonna buy something online before I buy it the majority of the time I look to see if there's a discount code available why not save 10 15 20 percent you can't do that in physical shops you know the price is the price you know so just think of all those incentives that i've mentioned and especially things like the asos app or the zara app those guys they get you as soon as you put your email address in there they're always bombarding you with offers yeah and sometimes the offers are sweet very very sweet not even sweet they're sweet so why wouldn't you just buy all your stuff online i mean for me the only the only thing when it comes to online shopping when it comes to buying things like suits track suits things that i'm gonna like like my actual clothing i do actually prefer to go and try them on in store because obviously they've got different fittings and um uh, who really has time to be sending things back and forth i like it to fit a certain way so i want to see it in the mirror before i pay for it but everything else the majority of my stuff i do it online christmas shopping do not look for me i haven't got time to be walking around amongst crowds of people in the west end or in westfield shopping center barging past people or being barged uh you know people stepping on your crepes i haven't got time for that especially christmas shopping if i know everything that I, I need to get i don't i would rather go to seven websites than go to seven shops because listen i'm tired I don't have time so we ain't ever going back i think online shopping is is part of the fabric of our society now it is ingrained in our culture that's just the way it is it's so convenient you we can't trade how are we going to trade off that convenience for anything else have you ever driven all the way to a shop got there thinking that you know what time it's going to close and you get there and the the security guard saying nope nope you can't come in we're closing in five minutes and you just want one item has that ever happened to you or you're in a mad dash like you just need something really urgently you need something today and you've been busy and you and you like the shop closes in 20 minutes and you make a mad dash to get it because you need it maybe for like a a couple days later you're not going to have you're going to be at work so you're not going to be able to get to the shop these are the problems that online shopping solves you know so why wouldn't people adopt it we don't care about saving retailers let's be honest the consumers only care about themselves i don't know let me know what you think use the hashtag redesign pod chime in let me know what you think i mean what are the benefits of going into a physical shop like especially if you don't know whether you whether they've got the stock of what you're looking for or not and have you have you ever tried to call these shops have you ever tried to call a physical shop to find out if somebody's got something in stock they put you through to a a national switchboard you can't even speak to a real person it goes straight to a machine anyway or if they if you do get someone on the phone like you're waiting on hold for time why do that when you could just go on your phone and buy what you need to buy and if that shop hasn't got it you can just keep on searching until you find it and you will definitely find it it's mad 
It's mad. I can't believe they're having these conversations on TV about trying to save retail. Listen, the trend is going where it's going. It can't be stopped. Obviously, there will be certain things like, for example, you can't download food, can you? So (laughs) there will always be room for cafes, restaurants and all that good stuff. There will always be room for entertainment, you know, but, you know, the rest of it, if it doesn't need to be there, the nat- like it's natural selection. It will perish. If there's no need for something, it will perish because the customers always win, you know. But yeah, that's all I've got to say on the matter of online shopping. That is it for this week. Chime in. Let me know your thoughts. Don't forget to use the hashtag RedesignPod. Don't forget you can follow me on the socials at Andrew underscore CBX, both on Twitter and Instagram. And also, uh, if you like the podcast, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, where else can you leave reviews? Can't really leave reviews anywhere else, really. You can leave a comment on SoundCloud if you're listening on SoundCloud. And if you're listening on Spotify, don't forget to follow so you don't miss another episode. Subscribe, all that good stuff. I'll be back here next week with another episode. Take care and bye for now. We, 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 we